It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running on this 12th day of December, 2023. This is The Horn. Head-on.live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza that is The Horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday. 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between, and the Great Globe Round, and whatever time it is when you're listening to the uh, podcast. And if you are listening to the podcast, please you, uh, like each epi- episode, subscribe uh, on a couple of different platforms. That way, if one of the platforms fails to pick up the feed, uh, you'll get a notification for another. There are many platforms. And leave a comment on the for the algorithms to read and other people and just to let folks know that, you know, we're here and you enjoy the community. But if you are listening live, feel free to pop by the aforementioned Mary Wacky's Any Real-Time Madcap Multimedia Extravaganza and be greeted by the early arrivers. That's Anatole and Irish Dave and Ralphs and Squeaky and Theo. Hi, gang, who will all be terribly, terribly happy to see you. Uh, Roger in Oregon, the Horn's chief agronomist, chief mathematician, Bud Trimmer emeritus, and Zimmergist is, uh, by his own uh, by his own description, AWOL today. Oh no, you've got leave, Roger. You've got leave. Uh, there will be no there will be no proceedings. Neither will you be called before the mast. Uh, right. So here it is, Titanic Tuesday, and we have Titanic content and Titanic intellect or attempts at intellect by the white wing in this country. But every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. And so that means we say thank you to our 12th day of the month subscribers. And that means thank you to uh, Paul. And thank you to Gary in New York. Thank you both so very kindly. And thanks as well uh, to George in Coarse Gold. Thank you, George. 
that means our fundraising goal is at 8:45, and what? And 8:45 means that uh, we're seeking to fund today, yesterday, and 245 dollars of this past Friday on the front porch. Um, did I mess up the upload last night? Oh, I know what I did. Some, it, it autofills incorrectly. I'll, I'll try to go back and fix that. Thanks for letting me know. Um, thanks for letting me know, Randy Radar. Uh, so, uh, uh, and in fact, I mentioned George thanking him. And George uh, said, uh, subject line, agent of the defendant, Jack Smith, referred to the unindicted co-conspirator in his recent filing with the Supreme Court. Maybe we can get justice against Ginsurrectionist Thomas. And that's a good place to begin this uh, Titanic Tuesday. With the most crooked. Oh, did I do the hi, I'm Robin? Hi, I'm Robin. Uh, begin with the most crooked, most corrupt, most insufferably evil member of the Supreme Court. I would say perhaps even more evil than Roger Taney. And you got to be pretty damned evil to be more evil than Roger Taney. And I'm talking, of course, about Clarence Pubes on the Coke can, Fappy Thomas. Because, wow, he's evil and corrupt and dirty. And with Jack Smith being in front of the court on a case in, in a case against. Um, Fappy's most favoritist human being in the whole wide world outside Ginsurrectionist, his spouse, he really should uh, he, he really should step down. He should recuse himself at, uh, from this case. He should retire in shame and disgrace. And uh, Oh, okay. Thank you, Ralphs. Uh, Podbean yesterday's podcast says December 11th. Was it the July? It, it couldn't have been. It could not have been the July program. I created a new file. It's not even in there. So, uh, Randy, I'm not quite sure what you mean. Uh, thank you, Ralphs, uh, serving as the Horns ad hoc. Uh, did Robin screw up the upload uh, research department? But back to the issue at hand. Fappy won't recuse himself, but he damned well should. Remember when last we checked in with Fappy, which was yesterday, he was saying that things like electric shock are actually a free speech issue as long as we want to be electroshocking a little LGBTQ kid or... Kid is a 
a kid's a problematic word, an LGBTQ adolescent. And so this morning, uh, on my uh, Filthy Morning Habit, there was a conversation with Barbara McQuaid about Fappy. And her analysis is actually quite solid. President Trump has immunity from prosecution for his actions in trying to overturn the 2020 election results. In a filing with the high court yesterday, Smith stated it is, quote, of imperative public importance to the court decide the question so Trump's trial can move forward as scheduled in March. Under the timeline proposed by Smith, the court could hear arguments and issue a ruling in a matter of weeks if it does, in fact, decide to step in. In a brief order issued just hours after Smith's filing, the court asked Trump's legal team to respond by December 20th, Trump campaign issued a statement accusing Smith of attempting to interfere in the 2024 election. Joining us now, former U.S. attorney and an MSNBC contributor, Barbara McQuaid, and state attorney for Palm Beach County, Florida, Dave Ehrenberg. Good morning to you both. Barbara, I'll start with you. Uh, what do you read into this request from Jack Smith? Is he trying to sort of short circuit the argument that might come from the Trump defense team here? Yes, this is a really interesting strategy. I have to say I didn't see it coming, but it is a really shrewd move on the part of Jack Smith. He's trying to leapfrog the Court of Appeals, because if this case were to play out in the normal course, there could be a delay of many months, which would jeopardize that March 4th trial date. And so what Jack Smith is essentially saying here is, look, we all know that this is the kind of question that's going to the Supreme Court anyway. So there's no need to waste our time going to the Court of Appeals. It's a rare move, Willie, but it's not unprecedented. It's happened 49 times in the last 100 years, and it's happened 25 times in the past five years. Usually it's for cases with some urgency, like COVID cases or gerrymandering cases, but it's also been used for student loans. And so when time is of the essence, this is a move that makes a lot of sense. So, Dave, it's not unprecedented, wow. and it seems certainly timeliness is an issue here. But what's your read on the request? But also, how do you think the Supreme Court will rule? Well, it was a positive development yesterday when the court granted the expedited review of the request. So that tells me that they're in line with thinking that this is a special urgent consideration. They know the stakes here. And Jack Smith was right to go to the Supreme Court. The District Court of Appeal, the District of Columbia Court of Appeal, they took their time taking weeks to determine the gag order issue. I mean, if they took weeks on that, can you imagine how long they take on this? And Donald Trump is now complaining that Jack Smith's going to the Supreme Court. You would think he would want that to determine whether or not he has presidential immunity. But that's because it was never about immunity. It was always about delays. So we should also note that, of course, the Supreme Court had ruled against Trump during some of the 2020 election cases, except for Clarence Thomas. And we know, of course, that his wife has, has been outed as being prominently involved in efforts to help overturn that election. There will be calls for Clarence Thomas to recuse himself. Do you see any scenario where that would happen? Nope. Clarence Thomas has no shame. He's going to stay on the court. He's going to help decide these issues. But ding, 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 ding. And it's been shown that even the justices that Donald Trump appointed, the three justices out of nine, have ruled consistently against him on issues like his taxes, for example. Uh, issues about document uh, production. So I think in the end, the Supreme Court will do the right thing here. I mean, I know that made me make me look like a Pollyanna, but I think they understand the moment we're in. So, Barbara, the thinking with all of these cases against Donald Trump is that the one we're talking about, the, everything around the 2020 election, January 6th, the federal case is the one 
that probably could go forward before the election. Is there anything you've seen lately, anything with this uh, request here that tells you it, it too could be pushed down the road a bit? It is possible if the court were to deny this request, that would mean that the Court of Appeals has to hear it. And as we just heard, that could take many months. So that would be one thing that could happen. There are also all kinds of other things that could happen, Willie. You know, a, a case takes on a life of its own and gets sort of organic. There are other motions yet to be filed. Uh, Donald Trump has filed motions for selective prosecution and vindictive prosecution. Again, I don't think those are going anywhere. Uh, there's a double jeopardy uh, case that has already been ruled upon by the district court. That one could go on appeal. And so there are a number of things that could slow down a case. But one thing I think does seem certain, Jack Smith seems very focused on keeping this on track. And so far, the district court judge, Tanya Chutkin, seems to be moving with appropriate speed to make sure that that date sticks as well. So I would say it looks good, but it's never uh, a certainty. We will see another legal. Like I said, solid analysis especially uh, where uh, Dave Ehrenberg said that Fappy has no shame. And so what we're really talking about here, we know for, fa for a fact, I mean, there's no sense in deluding ourselves, we know for a fact that Fappy will vote to cover for Nitwit Nero and declare that he's immune and that he could have murdered people in the streets. We had co long conversations about this based on the uh, DOJ uh, guidance from back in the 70s in the uh, Ford, during the Ford administration relative to Richard Milhouse, Pinhead Nixon, Harry Truman's term, remember. Um, basically that the president is above the law and cannot be charged with a crime while in office. And, you know, maybe there's some wisdom to that, because, honestly, uh, this madcap maggot Congress would, would, would have impeached him, and we'll get to that, for having killed Cock Robin, or kidnapped the, kidnapping the Lindbergh baby. He's that old, you know, Biden's that old. He kidnapped the Lindbergh baby. <sighs> but we know that Fappy will cover for him because, among other things, Fappy doesn't know who indicted co-conspirator co number six is. Back to uh, George and Corsgold's comment to begin the program. And so by immunizing Nitwit Nero, he might theoretically immunize... His beloved wife. It's going to be interesting. And I, and, and the th thing that scares me is if they were to immunize him, that means the entire January 6th case in D.C. falls apart. If they immunize him, the case in Florida falls apart. It doesn't really touch, I don't think, the Stormy Daniels hush money case because that was conduct prior to his becoming president. But one wonders what it does to the case in Fulton County, Georgia. 
and to and 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 the extent to which it has the, that that case touches anything that happened after January twentieth, twenty twenty one. Uh, we don't know. So a lot rides on this. I'm guessing just because the three so-called <clears throat> liberal <clears throat> jurists, justices on the Supreme Court, are pretty much the three best legal minds on the Supreme Court, that's going to be three votes for no immunity. Justices Sotomayor and Kagan and Katanji Brown-Jackson. Means we got to have two more. Means we got to have John Roberts. Means we got to have the handmaid or beer booth and brat or Gorsuch. And that's where the that's where the mystery comes in. And the hand wringing. Oh, and by the way, Brother Deacon Asa has checked. Uh, the proper date is on yesterday's podcast now, 11 December. And it is, in fact, the 11 December file. So, uh, the, no, yesterday's pod. Okay, so that's fixed. Uh, thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. Thank you very much. Uh, as to the Lindbergh baby, Lee in New York says, could it be that Joe Biden is the Lindbergh baby? Just asking. Don't make this worse. Lee, the uh, the cue balls will pick that up and run with it. Oh, and this from Randy Radar. My back window on my car blew out and broke. Oh, no. So I'm offering an auto glass claim, two-for-one tripling challenge. I will match the next... Oh, wait, no. That... I'm sorry, I was reading Randy's from from uh, the uh, Podbean thing. Sorry, I'm a little addled. No, uh, this is our anonymous friend who says, uh, I'll match the next 50 that comes in two for one, so the total for the horn will be up to $150. Um, our anonymous friend says, don't you have subscribers for this day of the month? We do, and I announced them. Um, that was uh, Gary and Paul. So uh, if $50 comes in, our anonymous friend will turn it into 150 And that will get us down, uh, let's see, um, it'll, get us seven, it'll get us down to 695 And I can uh, pay another bill. I paid some bills. I paid a bill last night, thanks to, thanks to you all. So the back window on my car blew out and broke. Auto glass claim two for one uh, tripling challenges on the table. Thank you. But that's where, that's where we are relative to uh, Jack Smith's appeal. Meanwhile, Rudy Giuliani is in court. And it's not going at all well for him. Uh, really not well. In point of fact, 
in the case being presented in front of U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell. Um, Judge Howell actually uh, warned warned uh, that in point of fact Rudy Giuliani within the previous 24 hours the past 24 hours may have already slimed and defamed Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss again but that's who's suing him for the defamation that he put forward that he put upon them that led to threats against their lives and uh, well, more that we will find out momentarily. Judge Howell's already found Giuliani to be liable for his claims that election, the election workers, uh, Ruby Freeman and her daughter Shea Moss, rigged the election for uh, against Nitwit Nero. And after the first day of his trial, he was running his mouth in front of the camera, Giuliani was. And Judge Howell said, was Mr. Giuliani playing for the cameras? And then this afternoon, Judge Howell let the jury hear evidence of his latest remarks. None of this, of course, being reported to the public because uh, we, the people of the United States... Uh, let's see. Uh, there's something about justice in the preamble now, isn't there? Uh, we don't get to see what's going on in there. And Giuliani is up against a formidable opponent in the plaintiffs themselves. The Judge Howell said last night after court, Mr. Giuliani exited the courtroom and told a reporter that he does not regret anything he's done to us because he's telling the truth that we changed votes. That was Shea Moss's testimony. And counsel asked her, how'd you hear about it? Shea Moss responded, when we walked into our hotel, there was a huge TV. It was right there. It was on the TV. I tried not to look. It just feels like I'm trapped under somebody's boot. It feels like I'm in a dark place and I'm surrounded by the lies and conspiracy like I'm surrounded by a swamp of loneliness and sadness and negativity. Now, by the way, since liability has already been established, similar to the case in Manhattan against Nitwit Nero and his, and his, his sketchy, dodgy-ass company, we're just, we're just uh, totaling up the numbers now. Ms. Moss and Ms. Freeman and, and, and their counsel are providing evidence for handing down a verdict against Giuliani for lots and lots and lots and lots of money. Lots of money. You know, the one where, as we've discussed before, the uh, jury foreman gets a sheet of paper and a pen, and, a pen, and after they've delivered it, they say, well, you know, just write down the number one and a comma. And just start making zeros till your wrist cramps. One hopes they have the stamina, the jury foreman has the stamina 
to write a lot of zeros. During Shea Moss's testimony today, uh, there was a lot of uh, just disgusting evidence put forward about what he did, what Giuliani did to Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman's lives. Months after November 2020, months after Giuliani had made a private citizen a public figure against her will, Shea Moss was in Shea. I call you Shea. Lady, don't go to Chick-fil-A. I mean, I, I know it's headquartered in Atlanta and I know they sell the I know they sell the chicken that Jesus particularly loves. But she was in a Chick-fil-A. And she said, I was so shocked. I was so embarrassed. I, I just had to leave. And uh, she it was it was mid twenty twenty one. And she showed up at the Chick-fil-A for an interview, a job interview. She had a notebook and her resume with her. And she was well-dressed. And she said, well, I'd made up my mind that I'll have to start at the bottom. I can work my way up here. And then she had the job interview. And the person doing the interview uh, directed her attention to a news story on his laptop that featured an article with a photograph of Shea Moss and one word plastered across her face. Traitor. And she just got up and left. That is what Rudy Giuliani, just one of the things that Rudy Giuliani has done to Shea Moss. Judge Howell is having none of Giuliani or his counsel uh, either of their bullshit. His pettifogger is named Joe Sibley. They had a lunch break earlier today, and after they came back from lunch, I mean, how, how do you how, how do you have lunch um, when you're well? Giuliani has no conscience. Um, but uh, Judge Howell dressed down Sibley and his client. This, of course, after, again, after Giuliani had re-slimed them, the plaintiffs, 
last night or yesterday. Judge Howell said, and this is not a compliment, Mr. Sibley has a hard job because he apparently cannot control his client. And then the issue of uh, discovery came up. And Sibley was making uh, a presentation to the court when Judge Howell noted that he had failed to provide discovery in the matter to opposing counsel. And Howell, uh, a little pissed, said, who knows what he believed when, because we have no discovery of that. We're in a situation we're in because of your client. And Judge Howell then went on and said that she had actually saved the defendant from himself, having told uh, the uh, Giuliani's pettifoggers, don't put your client on the stand. Because he may not tell the truth, which was exactly the same problem faced by counsel for the parking garage and Chris Kives, you know, Alina Hobbin, 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 Hobbin. The previous day in begging their client, please, boss, do not make our lives worse than they already are. Do not testify. They're going to savage you. And so Judge Howell said, contempt has been a running theme through this case. I think the plaintiffs would have preferred contempt to default. And maybe they were right on that. That's a really uh, not great way to have a, a, a judge talk about your client. Oh, no. And speaking of the uh, uh, trial in Manhattan... Nitwit Nero's lawyers are, well, they're, they're persistent, if nothing else. Today marked the fifth time that they have moved to have the case against Julius Geezer dismissed. And at this point in time, the um, New York attorneys general are... Um, almost openly laughing in their faces. Chris Kyes argued for a directed verdict, saying, well, there's no evidence of fraud, no victims, no damage. I mean, the entire state, people of the state of New York, yeah, well, they're not people, they're not, they're not nitwit Nero, they don't count. And Justice Arthur Ngoron said, there's no way I'm going to grant that, but send me something. And Kevin Wallace, the de- the uh, attorney general trying the case, uh, was at a point where he was actually ribbing Chris Kyes. 
He said, we want the defendants to rest their case. If they don't have a witness, they should be resting. And uh, covering, uh, covering the case in the courtroom was Law 360 reporter Stuart Bishop, who said, I don't know if I've really conveyed how annoyed the attorneys for the AG's office sound a lot of the time. Uh, Wallace, uh, Kevin Wallace at one point getting to the point where he said that the, this fifth motion to make the charges go away was silly and went on oh lawyers hate being called silly you can call them ambulance chasing mofos don't call them silly because they're terribly 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 serious just ask counsel for the parking garage and she'll tell you Kevin Wallace said we've already won on summary judgment I don't know what we're pretending is happening here And then Chris Kyes said, "Well, I mean, uh, we're, we're 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 making these motions, these very important motions, because of our planning for the future of the case." At which point, Justice Ngoron almost shot his coffee out his nose, laughing, and said, "You're gonna appeal," which is true. Good God, these people. And message coming in. Arnold says, please explain the thing in front of the Supreme Court. Okay. So, Special Counsel Jack Smith, and by the way, he has brought in uh, a person deemed to be a, a genuine big gun for this. Um, He's brought in uh, Deputy Solicitor General Michael Dreben as counsel of record before the Supreme Court. And Dreben has a previous history as Chief Appellate Advisor for the Mueller investigation. After that, he left the Solicitor General's office for private practice. He doesn't do a lot of politics work, per se. He's a rule of law guy. His, uh, he's more of a specialist in constitutional issues. He was with the Solicitor General's office for over 30 years before... Uh, going into private practice, he was the deputy solicitor general for the criminal side of the office for 24 years. He argued a hundred cases, more than a hundred cases, before the Supreme Court. Briefed a lot more of them, and as Joyce Vance says, the court has a lot of respect for him. So the thing in front of the Supreme Court, Arnold, is a uh, a. a a petition to the Supreme Court by the special prosecutor 
to answer the question whether Nitwit Nero has any immunity from prosecution for the crimes he is alleged to have committed. Because this is a matter, a case in, in, in legal jargon, this is a case of first impression. That means that the court really doesn't have any precedent upon which to base their decision. This, uh, uh, I hate to tell you, but Bush v. Gore was a case of first impression, too. They can be scary. But the bottom line is that as, as uh, um, the uh, two folks on Morning Joe were discussing in the clip we had earlier, if Jack Smith had gone through the trial court, appellate court, Supreme Court typical process, the planned start date of the trial in March of 2024 was almost guaranteed not to happen. So in a flanking move, Jack Smith's team went directly to the Supreme Court, and jurisdiction does exist to do this under the rules, seeking a ruling once and for all as to whether or not the president is immune from being charged for criminal acts conducted while in office. Because Geezer Disgustus says that anything he did while he was president is immune from prosecution. I mean, to, to reduce this to the absurd, his petition, his, his position is that he could have taken out an AR-15 and mowed down sightseers outside the White House and nobody could do anything about it. And in point of fact, there is an element of truth to that, at least if one follows the DOJ guidance from the Office of Legal Counsel from the mid-1970s, saying that the President of the United States could not be charged with a crime while in office or prosecuted. And in years past, we've talked about the fact that that very scenario, according to that OLC memo, if Nitwit Nero, say, during the George Floyd protests, uh, had walked outside with a fully automatic AR-15 and just opened up on Black Lives Matter protesters, matter, matters protesters because, you know, you know he, he, is the, he is a soak, he's the son of a Klansman, and he don't much like black folks. If he had done that under that um, OLC memo, if it had been witnessed by FBI agents, U.S. Marshals, uh, D.C. Metro cops, Capitol cops, the Attorney General himself, no one could have arrested him and charged him with murder. No matter how many people he had killed. And again, that's a reduction to the absurd but it shows the absurdity of the claim being put forward by Nitwit Nero now. So even though he tried to 
overturn the election, even though he fomented a coup, even it, 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 regardless of everything he did, the conspiracies, the, uh, the, the, the slates of fake electors, all of it, he says he cannot be charged with a crime for any of it because he did it while he was president. Well, the OLC memo says that he couldn't be charged while president, although there is some, there, there's some talk that uh, if he committed a crime while president, he could be charged after he wasn't president anymore. Hint, that's why he's running again. And so that is what Jack Smith is asking the Supreme Court to resolve. And the Supreme Court, he filed it, uh, he, uh, Jack Smith filed a petition for certiorari. That's a petition for the court to accept a case. And yesterday the court said, oh yeah, we're going to hear this. And that's why I was talking uh, back at the beginning of the program about how there was no way that Fappy would recuse himself from the case. Honestly, if you want to get right down to it, Fappy should recuse himself. Gorsuch should recuse himself because he owes his job to Ditwit Nero. Uh, Beerboof and Brat should recuse himself because also he owes his job to Ditwit Nero. And, of course, the handmaid should recuse herself. If that actually happened, you would probably wind up with a five to one, we hope, a five to one uh, opinion that he is in fact liable for crimes. I mean, consider how ridiculous the argument is. And to use something that might have a bit of resonance with not too distant history, I well remember after Dim Leader started a war of vengeance against a country that had nothing to do with 9-11, cause Saddam tried to kill my daddy. <laughs> Fuck him. We're gonna take him out. <laughs> He's in a spider hole. <laughs> We're gonna hang his ass. <laughs> in the prosecution of that illegal war, according to data developed in part by Johns Hopkins University, they determined that there were over a million statistical excess deaths in Iraq as a result of the war that George Bush started. Arguably, it was a war crime. Arguably, it was a crime against humanity. And even if the international community didn't do it, uh, let's assume for hypothetical purposes that a court of law, a federal court in the United States, and you might remember, might recall at one point that there was a book put out uh, by Vincent Bugliosi, uh, something like the case for the uh, for the indictment and prosecution of George W. Bush. It was a, it was a well reasoned piece. Um, Bugliosi was trying to find some prosecutor with enough starch to actually file charges against Dim Leader. 
And uh, then, of course, after two terms, he had to leave office, and Barack Obama came in, and uh, people of conscience began clamoring for the prosecution of George W. Bush, and that was when Barack Obama said, we've got to look forward, and not back. And poof, away it went. And not another word was said about it. Well, theoretically, any prosecution of George W. Bush would have resulted in the same claim. That he was immune for decisions that he made as President of the United States, even if, even if it was a war crime. It is... Uh, like I said, a case of first impression because Bush was never prosecuted and he went happily home to his house on the cul-de-sac in Dallas where he continues to um, paint pictures of himself in the mirror in the shower and other things. Never mind. Um, Arnold said, well, doesn't that mean it's a softball pitch because this is a Republican court? No. It doesn't, because there there are constitutional issues at play, and there are, as well, political issues at play. And if they grant him immunity after he was already in office... Or after you know, already in office and out of office, it would mean it would it would mean that some future president, who although I realize it is difficult to conceptualize, could conceivably be far worse than Nitwit Nero was. It could be an absolute monster. And also render the Supreme Court of the United States, and this may be the most important point to them, utterly irrelevant in not only jurisprudence but American politics. So I kind of I, I hope that sort of answers the question. Arnold, um, it's going to be these are perilous times let's put it that way and exactly Brother Deacon Asa says it succinctly We all know Trump is going to do away with any semblance of a judicial branch when he gets what he wants and becomes the ultimate dictator. Do you think their supreme majesties will recognize that fact and not give Trump a path back to the White House? Well, I think we can bifurcate that issue. As you sort of did, Brother Deacon. 
One, there's the recognition, and two, there's the giving him a path back. If they say that he is not immune from prosecution, that's not the same as saying he's got a, he's got a straight shot into the White House. It means that he does have to stand trial. And this will put that issue to bed, and it will keep the, the, the D.C. case beginning in March of 24 on track. I'm sure he'll grunt and groan and bleat and bray some more. I can't be sitting here in court because that's marches around Super Tuesday, and I've got to be out there finishing up uh, and getting the nomination. The people who support him support him. The question is, will uh, will those precious undecideds break toward him or away from him? I still believe that the, ca- the campaign is Joe Biden's to lose more than Trump's to win. And so now... Uh, with regard to the D.C. trial, Nitwit Nero's petty foggers are filing, uh, uh, have filed a new um, document in the D.C. case. Um, saying, and it's petulant, and it's petty, and it's pissy. On behalf of the Biden administration, the prosecution will do everything they can to rush an unco- to an unconstitutional and fundamentally unfair trial to try to prevent President Trump from winning the 2024 election, which he is currently leading. And it was uh, all in regard to an automatic stay of the case as it exists before Judge Chutkin until the Supreme Court reaches a decision. And as we know, the Trump, uh, the Trump petty foggers have until the uh, 20th of December, I'm surprised he hasn't reached out uh, to file their response to uh, Jack Smith. I'm surprised Nitwit Nero hasn't reached out to those uh, fascist punks at the Alliance demeaning freedom. Can I have some free lawyering too? I know you represented that uh, that 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 uh, that lady who designs websites and didn't want to do a, do a website for any queers, even though no queers had ever even asked you to do one. Could you do one? Could you do that for me, please? And say it's my religious right not to be charged with a crime. Could you do that? I'd appreciate it. I'm so not guilty. So this is a case of uh, when you've got the facts, pound on the facts. When you've got the law, pound on the law. When you've got neither, pound on the table. It's fundamentally unfair. And back to Rudy Giuliani for a minute. Um, um, <laughs> uh, Petty Fogger Sibley, Joe. 
tried to argue his way out of the sliming uh, the, that his client put on Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman just yesterday and stood before uh, Judge Howell today and told her, you know, Ms. Freeman and Ms. Moss are good people. But they didn't. Uh, they didn't deserve to be accused of stealing the 2020 election for Biden. And so then uh, Judge Howell asked Petty Fogger Sibley, "If that's the case, how do you square that up with what your client said about them yesterday?" And Petty Fogger Sibley said. I'm not sure how it's reconcilable. Um, Your Honor, this case is taking a bit of a toll on him. Uh, He's almost 80 years old. I, I think he was sitting here all day at trial at his age. And, uh, Judge Howell said, well, okay, uh, Tell me, can he follow instructions? And Petty Fogger Sibley said, well, the answer, of course, is yes. Because the judge said, oh, he seemed pretty attentive during the what we've done so far. I mean, this is a hell of a, a, hell of a trial going on. Um, my client can't help himself. He's, he's almost 80. It might might also be almost sober. And it was a it was a rough day for Petty Fogger Sibley. He cross examined Shea Moss. And uh, in in, in cross examination he got one of those Answers that no defense counsel wants on cross. Never, you know. Again, Mr. Sibley, I'm sure you're charging good coin for this. Way, way, way back when you were in law school, somebody had to have told you on cross never answer a ask a question to which you do not know the answer. And so Shea Moss told him. And it, when I read this earlier today, it reminded me of the story that my old criminal law prof told about the victim who was on the stand. And was drilling down on the and, and defense counsel was drilling down on the victim. And uh, how long do you think this uh, entire transaction took place when you say... My client robbed you at the store where you worked. It was maybe it was less than five minutes. Oh well, yeah, less than five minutes. Is it true that it was less than two and a half minutes? Well, yeah, it's true that it was less than two and a half minutes. Isn't it true that it was less than a minute? Oh, I guess it was true that, it, and and the the the. the Defense counsel was feeling kind of froggy at that point, and so reaching the point, said, 
So you're sitting here telling this jury that you can positively identify my client as the person who robbed you when you looked at them for less than a minute. How on earth can you say that? At which point the victim said, because he's the only person who's ever stuck a gun in my face and I will never forget the face of the person who stuck a gun in my face. And the defendant was convicted and sent up the river. This was a little like that. And in, 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 in explaining why Giuliani was, is, it was, is viable, Shea Moss said, they're no different. They're all on the same hate train together. It was just Mr. Giuliani driving the bus, picking up these people and spreading lies. And time after time after time on that cross, Sibley just got eaten alive. At one point, Shea Moss said, I want to vindicate myself. I want to receive some kind of justice for all that myself and my family have been through. Because counsel had said, isn't it true you're just trying to make money off of my client? And she said, by hitting someone in the pockets, especially someone whose whole career is about their pockets, that will send a message to the next person who wants to spread lies about election workers. I personally cannot repair my reputation at the moment because your client is still lying on me and ruining my reputation. Like, how could you work in law if everyone's saying you're a horrible lawyer? To which Sibley, having been reduced to a pile of ashes, said, he'd be surprised, actually. And uh, she then went on to say, uh, you know, your client assumed that me and my mama are Democrats because we're black. He didn't go on the BET nightly news to spread his lies. He went to places where he knew his people would hear. At which point Sibley said, well, has, has this litigation been stressful for you? And she looked at him and said, only talking to you? Yeah. And this is day two of the trial, okay? Day two. This is the plaintiff's case in chief. And... Beryl Howell, well, that woman's not having fun. And Sibley's been screwing up left and right. Uh, Jordan Fisher at WUSA said, Sibley's been repeatedly objecting to basic questions about this document that was admitted without objection as part of a batch of exhibits. Judge Howell's clearly annoyed with that and calls the attorneys to the Husher phones. The document is a spreadsheet of public references to or about Rudy Fre Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. They started appearing on December 3rd, 2020, the day Rudy Giuliani spoke to the Georgia State Senate. Over the next two days alone, there were thousands of references. 
And Sibley leapt to his feet and said, Your Honor, I object! And Beryl Howell turned her withering gaze upon him and said, Surprise! And overruled him. And then a threat intelligence and monitoring report came in that had been uh, put together to sh- uh, just to detail all the threats that were made against Ms. Freeman and Ms. Moss. And by the way, um, Darlene, with a note, said, I wonder about Jack Smith's selection of Michael Dreben, uh, the Michael Dreben retread to argue this critical question before the SCOTUS. Keith Olbermann complained that Dreben did everything he could to prevent the Mueller team from prosecuting Trump. He's got a point. Per Andrew Weissman's book, it was Dreben who came up with the convoluted pretzel logic twisted by adjectives, reasoning, and language in the Mueller report. That's a little scary. That's a lot scary. This whole thing is scary. Um... With regard to George W. Bush, Steve says there are four crimes of over 20 individual crimes under international humanitarian law that are called the core crimes. The crime of aggression, war crimes, crimes against humanity, and genocide. At the conclusion of the Nuremberg trials, the tribunal characterized the crime of aggression as, quote, the supreme international crime because it contains within itself the accumulated evil of the whole. The International Criminal Court Uh, lists seven different acts as the crimes of aggression. For ease of reading, I've chosen Section 8A of the Rome Statute. The invasion or attack by the armed forces of a state of the territory of another state or any military occupation, however temporary, resulting from such invasion or attack or any annexation by the use of force of the territory of of another state or part thereof. Well, I guess, you know, George W. Bush is... And and remember, early in his administration, he made sure that we are not part of the International Criminal Court for a very good reason. Latest Pettifogger document, Lee in New York says, I believe the summary is, I'm rubber, you're glue. True. And... uh, Uh, Lou with some observations, because you know we've got a Netanyahu update. Hint, it ain't good. Military assault in Gaza, Lou says. Given Netanyahu's gang's relentless military assault in Gaza, uh, do you think Iran's efforts directed toward developing nuclear weapons will a decrease, b stay the same, or c increase? It seems clear to me that it is time to have Giuliani sanctioned. Perhaps his dysfunctional insanity can be attributed to 9/11 dust or some such. Oh, if it comes down to that, I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure that's that's in their bag of tricks. Uh, I don't think Iran's activity. You really can't hurry uh, nuclear development without substantial technological um, and equipment increases, centrifuges, and the like. Uh, I think it'll. I think it'll stay the same. The Iranians are trying to at least reach nuclear parity with Israel and 
with Pakistan and with India. And, of course, while Saudi Arabia doesn't have nuclear weapons, ah, well, our partners in peace there in the sandbox uh, has us. Oh, and uh, from Balmer Bob, Trump's day one. I can't think of any dictators who wanted only one day as dictator. Maybe Trump could be tempted to host a reality show. Fuhrer for a day. Okay, Bob. That was quality. Fuhrer for a day. Oh, Emilio. I'm dreaming. Of a Trump convict Christmas, just like the one with Gotti John. No singing, Roxanne. Speaking of which, we do have a uh, $50 tripling challenge. $50 becomes 150 thanks to our kind anonymous internet friend. If uh, five people have 10 bucks, or 10 people have five bucks, or one has 50, or two have 25, etc. And we have moved into the second hour of the program. Uh, Rome statute, Emilio writes. I think Trump had a Rome statue for the tenants of our for the tenants of our Constitution. <laughs> Rome statute, statue. Yeah, he'd like a Rome statue. Just put his head on top of that statue of uh, Caesar Augustus, and well, geezer. How long have we been calling him geezer Disgustus? It's a thing. And by the way, if you'd like to engage in any conversation, you are more than welcome to do so. Uh, you can reach the program in multi- uh, multiple ways. The stress line, of course, is 844-843-4676. If you've never called a radio program, this is a terribly easy program to call. And uh, the conversation, well... Nobody's going to hurry you along to get to the next Stupid Beats ad. Let's put it that way. And you can also, uh, this, this, so the stress line, 844-843-4676, 844-THE-HORN. Or on Skype, Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Kincaid Horn, K-I-N-C-A-I-D-H-O-R-N. And then there's just a regular roll phone number, 304-574-8178. Eight one seven eight. They all come into the same uh, little mix desk here, and we'll see. Uh, uh, share what whatever it is that's on your on your mind. Oh, and just a quick check in. I could easily have saved this for uh, tomorrow, but this is fresh enough that. And it it also has a back reference because you might recall in the note that I shared yesterday from Joy in Ann Arbor, 
she queried where Elsie Stupidnik's outrage was when her orange god emperor sat down and had din-din with a known neo-Nazi. Um, you know, you, you remember, Nick Fuentes, the neo-Nazi who says that uh, it's gay for a guy to have sex with a woman. That's always going to be his first reference. No, a second reference after the Nazi part. And the problem here is that there are people who actually listen to him. And I will note uh, tangentially that there are some terrifying numbers out there, of uh, gen, uh, particularly with regard to Gen Z, and the number of people who think the Holocaust didn't happen. Make no mistake, the fact that I am deeply aggrieved by the behavior of Israel, I'm sorry, Israel, is not based in any to any degree, or as make West Virginia great big old Governor Jim Justice would put it, in no way, shape, form, or fashion does that reflect a hatred of Jewish people. I can have a deep and abiding disgust for anybody who puts a right-wing fascist government in place, just like I have a deep and abiding disgust for my fellow Americans who send the likes of Tommy the Tuber to the Senate, or, oh, I don't know, um, Paul Gosar, the demon dentist of the desert, or uh, those obnoxious people who send... Madge Sporkfoot to the House, or the people down in Florida who said, hey, you know, Matt Gates looks like he'd be fun up there. Let's send him. I can be disgusted with those people. It does not mean I hate them. And I am certainly not at all anti-Semitic. But I do not like the Israeli government, and I do not like Bibi Netanyahu. In particular. And I am far from alone in that regard, especially as uh, as compared with uh, the opinion of no small number of people, citizens themselves of the state of Israel. Oh, and by the way, Israel has begun flooding the tunnels with seawater. Not kidding. Oh, and going back to Judge Beryl Howell, Darlene in Connecticut says, Although Judge Chutkin is a brilliant and capable jurist, Judge Beryl Howell is my first choice to handle Jack Smith's January 6th D.C. case. She's judged many of the insurrection cases and even excoriated the DOJ for requesting lenient sentences for those who were convicted. She is no B.S., I think Trump would have been in the slammer faster than he could have slammed down a Mickey D's Big Mac the moment U.S. Marshals had to be assigned to protect her. I I, I share your sentiment. I I do. I kind of wish he was handling it, but there's a certain there's a certain justice in Judge Chutkin having this case. But back to Nick Fuentes. 
Yeah, the man that uh, Elsie Stupidnik has never bothered to criticize, even though she is desperately uh, wanting the pelt of uh, President Gay of Harvard on her door. Nick Fuentes, being a Nazi, you know, Nazis will tell you who they are. And then it's up to us to believe them. And so here, via Right Wing Watch, we have Nick Fuentes. There is an occult element at the high levels of society, and specifically among the Jews. The Jews! Now, I want to go back and get the whole quote, because apparently, although he's got no small amount of money for running his tacky-ass little broadcast with his cheap-ass little green screen shot of the tip of the top of the Empire State Building, like he's... Oh, I don't know. Uh, in a in a penthouse suite, maybe maybe in a, in a Trump property. I don't know. But anyway, um, uh, Nick Fuentes apparently can't get his audio sorted out because he's that's not my. In other words, that's not me screwing up the audio. That's him fucking up his own audio because he apparently doesn't know how it works. He sounds like he's in a barrel. There is an occult element at the high levels of society, and specifically among the Jews, so many of the people that are perpetrating the lies and the destruction on the country, they are evildoers. They are people that worship false gods. They are people that practice magic or rituals or whatever. And more than anything, those people... Yeah, yeah, they're people who practice magic or rituals or whatever. So, dude, apparently... Believes in magic. And that's no that's no slur on my Wiccan friends or because my that's any 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 Wiccan worth his or her salt will tell you that's not how magic works. And by the way, the maggots are convinced now that Taylor Swift is a witch. We talked about that previously. You know, there's an old story out there. Um, nah, I'm not going to do it. This is bad enough. People need to be, when we take power, they need to be given the death penalty. Got that? Now, I'm wondering when the maggots on that uh, subcommittee in the House that includes Elise Stupidnik, will call a hearing over Nick Fuentes and drag him in front of the Congress and ask him what he means by all this. ...or whatever, and more than anything, those people... Now, remember, this started out with the Jews. There's Jews, and then there's witches, and people who perform magic and rituals... And Nick Fuentes has a final solution for all of them. ...need to be, when we take power, they need to be given the death penalty. Straight up. And I'm far more concerned about that than I am about even non-white people or mass migration. 
these people that are that are communing with demons and engaging in this sort of witchcraft and demons. stuff, and these people that are suppressing the name Christ and suppressing Christianity, they must be absolutely annihilated when we take power. This is God's country. This is Jesus's country. This is not the domain of atheists or devil worshippers or perfidious Jews. This is Christ's country. There is an Christ country. Did you know that when white Europeans colonized brown parts of the world, that they used witchcraft and devil worship as an excuse to perpetrate genocides long before, long before the Holocaust? The populations of Mesoamerica were slaughtered out of hand by the Spanish on a claim that they were doing so for Jesus because Nueva España was Jesus' country now. Again, not prayer meeting Wednesday. But someone should show this to Elsie Stupidnik and say, Wow, you want to have a hearing about this too, sis? Uh, rituals, magic, or whatever. Stephen New York says, uh, One who practices whatever is a whateverist practicing whateverism? By Jove, I think he's got it. And it's those whateverists. Oh, they're the ones that'll get you in trouble. Hey, let's uh, let's run over to the stress line and see who's there. Hey, welcome to the program. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Hey, sis. How you doing? Yeah, I'm here among the living, you know, just sitting here listening to Nazis talk about wanting to kill my ass. Mm, yeah, so welcome to my world. I know. <laughs> like, see, we're 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 even deeper sisters now than ever. Yeah, we can we 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 can cast spells under under one of the guard towers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, so that you know that voodoo and Santeria and stuff like that. You know that we that's what we do. So you know, and you're a Wiccan or whatever. It, and you know what is so funny about them being convinced that Taylor Swift is a, a witch? Because, you know, I did go see the Taylor Swift uh, concert movie under protest because, my, you know, under the thing, this is what I get from marrying a white woman. Because you don't, um, I know, because you're, 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 still, you're still mad at Tay-Tay. Right, so. And I know, anyway, and I know, I, why, I, and I know why, I know why you're mad at, at Tay-Tay. Yes, and rightfully so. It's like you don't you don't fuck with it. We're a fire. You just do not. And it, you do. And if you're gonna do you do it, you, a fire, you, don't do it. Right. Up. You do not cover September. No. You just just no. That's like covering anything by Frankie Beverly and Mays. Just don't do it. It's just no. Don't no. Don't don't. But anyhow, so 
I, when I went to see the movie, and there, there was a couple of, well, you saw the movie. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of scenes when she was doing one of her songs. Because, again, I really don't know her music. And, and no, um, I, I, have not, like, I have not seen, I have, I have not seen the movie yet. Oh, okay. Well, you know her music better than me, but there's not a song, really like and two it was very, songs. Okay. So, so you're about the same as me. So there's a song and it's very, there's some other, otherworldly. And it's, it looks like there's a witch's coven and stuff like that. And I'm sitting there watching this shit, and I'm like, ooh, they're going to think she's a witch. And sure enough, not sure enough, but sure enough, mm-hmm. here they go. Because they, they're in the woods. It's her and her dancers, and they're like in the you know in the woods in a ca- in a cabin, and it's like this glowing you know uh, ball. I mean, it was it was pretty fucking cool, I have to say. But I knew. I knew because I know white people, I knew it was going to be a problem. And sure enough, because <laughs> I, I don't, what? Nothing. Are you laughing at me? I'm not laughing. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm laughing with you. Because I know white people. Because I know white, well, because unfortunately for me, I have to know white people because my life can literally depend upon me knowing about white people. No joke there. No, not no. And you ask any, you ask ask any black person who is aware of this country and and how ridiculously racist it is. We have to know, unless you're Candace Owens or you know uh, Uncle Clarence Thomas or Napoleon, sorry, Napoleon Noir or. Michael Steele or all these, you know, these self-loathing, self-hating black people who don't see race and, you know, and y'all just, you other Negroes need to get off the, uh, the democratic plantation and, and open your eyes and stop, and stop drinking the Kool-Aid and, uh, you know, insert stupid ass saying as it is. But I was, but I said, wow, I, I knew it was going to happen. I'm, and like I said, I don't follow news like you do, sis. But I'm surprised that it's... I, I mean, this is the first time I've heard you mention it. But then again, I don't listen to your show as often as I, I would like to. So, but is this like the first time they started this shit? Or did they start this shit before her... her before the... Um, the, the 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 her movie came out or well just, what what really lit him up what really what really lit him up was when Tay Tay uh, told her uh, Swifties to get off their asses make sure they're registered and go and vote for Democrats Ooh. who would protect the right of women to manage the workings of their own bodies. Ooh. And then they just absolutely went ape shit bananas. And ape shit. When she, when uh, Time named her Person of the Year, it it was bad oh enough. Oh God! That, oh God! That that Leon Scum said it may result in a diminution of your popularity. Yeah, because he's clueless and felt like he. Uh, you know you know how it is when men will 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 just uh, assume that something, especially wealthy men wealthy white men, that something just gives them 
a right to just roll up on a woman and start and start mansplaining at her? Yeah, that's Leon Scum. I don't like what happened to me yesterday. I picked. I, I had these people. Um, uh, I was picking up from LAX, and they needed a van, right? And my van does seat six people, but if you have a lot of luggage, because um, that means I used to have to fall down a footage, and I'm going to only be able to seat five people. And going back, and going back and forth with this guy, and I'm like, dude. I don't care how many times I said, okay, you know what? If you want to try to put all your luggage in, thinking that it's going to seat six people, go ahead, but I'm going to charge you. Don't want to turn on the meter because they had two vehicles. And look, I understand going on vacation is very expensive. Okay, because the cab, they were going on a cruise, and I think it was about 10 of them or what have you. And so, you know, but you got to, if you cannot afford, if, if you do not budget into your, your vacation budget, transportation and tips, then don't come for me because I exist on being paid. So anyway, they kept going, we kept going back and forth. So finally, I'm like, you try. And of course, they try to put the luggage in. And they said, well, can you stack it? I'm like, no, because I need, there's this thing I need, it's called, you know, I need to be able to see out the rear view mirror. I need to see out the, the back window, the rear window. And blah, blah, blah. And so, of course, what happened? He had to take all the luggage out, and we had to fold down the seat. So I can only transport. How many people, Robin? Five. Five if the the seat's down. Right. And what happened? I had to fold the seat down. Because what annoys the fuck out of me is this is my vehicle. It is not a rental. This is my business. This is—I know what I'm doing. And for it to be constantly questioned about my my vehicle and no, not them not acting as though I'm stupid—it it just it just makes me crazy. And I just so I just stepped away. And when they and like I said, when they try to stack more, I said it's not going to work. First of all, it's not safe because if it's over the rear, the back seat. And I come to a sudden stop, the luggage is going to go flying. And again, even if it were, I can't see out the back window. And again, you are a professional driver. Professional driver. Right. But you, but you see a woman and then I dare say a black woman because we ain't, we ignorant. And I'm like, but dude, I'm in the service industry, so you should know I know what I'm doing. You know, I I, I took that bar, slipped that bell. What? But it's like, too. So Are you finally, being uppity? You know, we got to, yes, I was being uppity. How dare I? Because you know those niggas. They be getting all uppity and shit. So, yeah, no, but you have to be mansplained, and when people act as though, it, it is very exhausting. And I don't know what's more, you know, because I get the white mansplaining all day long, and then the blacks being black and stuff, so I'm in the, 
as a black woman, I can, I can, especially if I'm working all day and I'm dealing with people, because, you know, unfortunately, the majority of my past, and not unfortunately, let me rephrase. No, unfortunately, the, the majority of my passengers are white, which means that I have to be, a, you know, I have to be prepared to act a certain way and react a certain way. And it's like I'm always on the defensive. And then, of course, once the passenger gets in, black people, then it's fine. But can you uh, imagine constantly being in a, in, in a constant state of defense? Constant. Because I never know which white person I'm going to get. I never know which white person I'm going to get. And so, and even sometimes, even first impressions go wrong. And then it might take another 10 minutes for me to realize, okay, we're probably both having a bad day or they're having a bad day and they're okay. But this is what, when, when we talk about white privilege, black, white people don't have to worry about that. They can go, they don't have to be in a constant state of, well, is this person going to get uh, go off on me because I'm white? No, that doesn't happen. Oh, gosh, if I get pulled over, is, is this going to be the cop that's going to George Floyd me? When you get to the point that your name, that you can, your name becomes a verb, that's a problem. So, to be who I am, it's, it's, it can be, it, like I said, it can be very exhausting. And then to come to find out, we saw the, the, the series of texts that I just sent you about Uber, and then somebody, just, you know, about them, how the new CEO, I don't know how long he's been CEO or whatever, has raised prices on the, on the passengers and cut driver's pay so for the first time, Uber is actually showing a profit. It was. It, I saw that. I read that article last night, right before I fell asleep. I meant to send it to you. So then, I went looking for it again. When I, the one that I sent you, I have actually found it. Do you know they removed it off of the Forbes.com website? I've never seen that before. But somebody and I've never. Even, it's so funny. I've never ever 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 really gone on Reddit. But somebody archived it before they removed it, so I sent you the archive. And it's like, I've never seen that. I've heard of it happening when an article gets put on, you know, on a website. It's like, or, and then, or like if somebody does a stupid tweet and then they delete the tweet, but somebody already archived it. I gotta learn how to do that shit. That was awesome. But yeah, the article, so basically the article is about how Uber, because you know, most people know Uber has not ever shown a profit. They've gotten all this influx of cash, but they've never shown a profit. And so then what they started doing now, it, like this, the last the quarter, the qu third quarter of this year, they cut, like I said, so they raised the, the, the amount of how much it costs to ride in an Uber and then cut um, driver's pay. So you know, they, you know, typically people say, you know, they're saying that drivers, whatever they charge the passenger, drivers get like, 
fifty percent of forty to fifty percent of that. No, they get maybe ten, thirteen percent. That, so that sucks. Part. And they took it up. Yeah. And so now, now, and now I, I'm seeing why, because um, I don't know, I think I told you, and I don't know if I told, mentioned this to the, our, uh, you know, the Horn family congregation. So as of, uh, toward the middle of last month, well, no, they made the announcement like two months ago, Uber is in partnership with Yellow Cap. So, what happens is when you, you know, when you open up your Uber app and you call for a ride, um, you can either get, you know, Uber XL or a taxi. But it'll be the same amount of money that you're getting paid, that you're paying to get a taxi, right? And so, and, you know, me being me, I have been doing it, but I only do it or as much as it's going to make him convenient for me because we're not getting paid what we need to be getting paid. But like I said, it can be convenient, especially like if I drop off somewhere like Orange County, then I got to come all the way back to, because we can't legally pick up in Orange County. So I'll pick up a ride here and there to work my way back to LA, especially back to the airport. But now I'm understanding why Uber has been so hot to join with us because they're losing drivers. And, you know, it's, see, this is what happens when you don't regulate shit. Because we had, you and I had this conversation, you know, when we're talking about the um, erosion of the, of, of, of housing in LA, how the, you know, Airbnb is literally taking housing out of the, the, the housing inventory because it's an unregulated, uh, the unregulated um, hotels, no different than you know Uber and Lyft being unregulated cab services. And so, when you have we don't have because you cannot do that as a cab driver as cab driving taxis. We are regulated. Whatever the meter says, that's what you have to pay. We can't do surge pricing. We can't. So, like, say and this happens a lot. Say somebody walked, I'm at the cab stand at the airport. And somebody walks up to me and say, how much is it to Long Beach? And says so it's about $75, which it is. And they're like, well, and then they start going down the line of all the cab drivers to see if they can get a cheaper price. And then I yell at them, you cannot get a cheaper price. It is what it is. We, you, there's no negotiation because if, if, and here's what happens. If in fact, a driver, uh, uh, say I said, no, this is how much it is or whatever the meter says. And then they go down the line and you get a desperate driver that says, okay, I'll do it for 50. That driver could get in trouble because he undercut everybody else. Because why? We're regulated. But yeah, and in this case, and in this case, regulation is to try to ensure a level playing field, right? Mhm. I love a play, playing field and decent wages, and also making and also you know, so, and also making sure that consumers aren't getting ripped off. Right. Because if you're being regulated, you can't do surge pricing, sis. 
if you're being regulated, you have to pick. This is how much it is, and you can't change. Keep changing the price because I'm I'm some I'm ignorant on this. So if you're in an actual cab, the fare is, at sa- is the same at rush hour as it is at 3 a.m. Yes. Is that now the, the only difference is it, it might get a little be a little bit more. It, it, it could change. The only thing is it's based also on mileage and time. So that three. So like for example, I can pick you up from LAX or wherever and take you to downtown. At, like you said, three or four in the morning or whatever, and it's like maybe fifty-five dollars, right? But that same ride at three in the afternoon could be sixty-five dollars, and it's because only because of traffic, not because we raised yeah, the price. Yeah, because it takes longer and, to the, get there. The time in the cab, right? The time in the cab, but the per mile char- charge never changes, ever. To get it, it's a three dollar and ten cent drop uh, for the the meter drop, the flag drop rather, and then after that it's uh, it's three dollars a three dollars and ten cents a mile. I just say three dollars a mile. So unless there's this, you know, and see, and that's to ensure that the driver is getting paid for their time, and that is why I hate flat rates. Because like the other day, I because I I laugh when I get trips and they say you know and if it's a really high price for the trip because on average most of your trips are going to be like eight dollar trips okay and unless the trip is about twenty minutes I'm not going to deal with it if it's anything over thirty minutes I'm not fucking with it because it's not worth my time but so the other day I this trip pops up on my on my computer on my screen for a hundred dollars and I like. Oh, where the fuck are they going and how long is it going to take? And so it was a trip from West LA to Goleta. Goleta, um, is in, is along the central coast on the way to Santa Barbara. And at that time of the day, at that point, cause it, it could have gotten worse because at that point it was a two and a half hour trip. It could, it could easily have gone into, into three to four hours. And they only wanted to pay the driver twenty, a hundred or something, pay me if I had taken it, a hundred dollars. God only knows what they're charging the passenger, right? But the bottom line is, so I'm going to drive all the way up to Goleta for a hundred dollars, whereas I know that exact same trip, if I was driving my cat, would be at least three hundred and fifty dollars. So more than likely. The passenger, the Uber's passenger is paying $350. But they're only giving me like 10, 10 or 13% of that. Whereas if I'm in my cab, that's all, I'm getting all of that money. All right. Mm-hmm. And so is, is, Lyft, so is Lyft any better than Uber? It seems that Lyft it's a little better, and so because um, I, I the only time I fuck with Uber now is when I'm in my cab, um, and so it's like I said, I'm just doing this to kind of earn a little extra money. I'm trying to just I'm make sure. The only time I try to just do like a hundred dollars a week on Uber, but Lyft seems to be a little better. Um, they tend to pay a bit more. 
um, you get more of a percentage from what the passenger is paying as opposed to what Lyft is, I mean, what Uber is paying you. Um, but still. I mean, because seriously, let's, let's think about what they're Tracy, hold on a sec. I need to I need to kind of make an announcement here because okay. for the second night in a row, the Internet is being crummy. Um, you know, the Internet that I pay like two hundred dollars a month for. <sighs> um, mm. And so it's been burping in and out and uh, you've been Tracy interrupted. According to Lee in New York, uh, at least three times, um, because the stream drops. Yeah, the, the the stream the stream drops out, and then the music plays. So I don't know how long this is going to continue, but I did want to take a minute and share a couple of uh, thoughts that people had sent along, and before it goes all the way down and just crashes and burns. <sighs> Supposedly, this was all take this was all taken care of when I talked to tech support last night, but. <sighs> Shut up. Uh, okay. It, going back to Nitwit Nero, Darlene in Connecticut said, I so badly want to see that fucker's browsing history. Uh, this is the reason why I find the orange dildo's constant references to witch hunts so damned offensive. The witch trials in Europe and America were just as horrific and brutal as the Holocaust. But there's no one alive with a limit living memory of it. It's such ancient history by comparison, so not considered too soon. Men were accused and tried as witches, too. Uh, Giles Corey comes to mind. Uh, he was pressed to death in Massachusetts. His last words were, more weight. Of course, Giles Corey was also an asshole. If you look up his actual history, he was, he, he 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 murdered an indentured servant. Um, men were accused and tried as witches too, but for far more were women, and it is hypothesized that the vast majority were in fact totally innocent. Not like that orange crapper. You're right, Darlene, and I, I, you might find this interesting, uh, Tracy. I was uh, well. You you know about. What last week's episode of Quantum Leap was about? Yes. Okay. So it was set in 1692, and 1692 is smack dab in the middle of the Massachusetts colony uh, witch hysteria. And I got to thinking about that because my one of my earliest ancestors to arrive in the colonies was a 16-year-old boy named Abraham Goad. And he arrived in Roxbury, Massachusetts. Here I am, a hillbilly girl. And one of my oldest ancestors landed in Roxbury, Massachusetts, aboard a ship called the Elizabeth Ann. He left England um, at the age of 16 and arrived in, in Roxbury, Massachusetts, where he set up housekeeping in the middle of a huge religious upheaval at the time that was led by oh golly um, let me look here uh, um, oh done
yeah, it was led by a woman named um, Anne Hutchinson. And she had the audacity to say in Puritan, Massachusetts, that she, by God, even though she was only a woman, could also commune directly with the Almighty. And so that uh, my uh, my ancestor arrived in Roxbury, smack dab in the middle of that, and then uh, later on. So he lives out his life there, but his son also, I believe, Abraham Goad. Um, took it on the lamb, and I've always wondered. Why it is that someone who had traveled from England to Massachusetts would go to the effort, and it was not easy, to leave the Massachusetts Bay Colony and head down to Old Virginia. Because that's what he did. And then I realized that he took out long about 1692 with his wife and in old Virginia some years later there appears a notation in the parish records that Abraham Goad brought a pound of tobacco that he had grown to the church and gave it as an offering to almighty God in in grateful thanks for the delivery of a happy healthy son. Those are all my ancestors, and they may have fled the witch hysteria. So, thanks for the reminder, Darlene. Yeah. Um, It was very real, and, and, and God knows multitudes were hurt, especially in in, in Spain. Uh, There were burnings, of heretics in uh, Nueva España by the Inquisition. Well, what is it? What is the? What does Monty Python say? No one suspects the Spanish Inquisition. Right, and of course, what? you know, I'm sure there's some little incel out there who's barking about Taylor Swift. She turned me into a newt. Got better. Um, and uh, Steve in New York has kindly elevated your humble hostess. Whateverism, because Nick Nick Fuentes is upset about whateverism. You heard the clip. Uh, I declare the Pontifex Maxima Roxia of whateverism. All hail, all hail. All hail, all hail. And and so I'm I'm sitting here doing the light uh, light bulb queen wave. Hello. Blessings. Blessings. And instead of the sign of the cross, we do the sign of the question mark. And there's the period at the bottom of the question mark. So, here she is. Uh, And by the way, uh, Cynthia, hey sis, um, regarding what I said about anti-Semitism, Israel, and Netanyahu, uh, Cynthia in the Bay Area said, you just expressed my feelings exactly. And I'm not an anti-Semite or Holocaust denier, but Netanyahu 
is evil. And by the way, there's no fucking God, and Jesus ain't going to be coming down from the sky to take that bastard to heaven. Not God country here. Testify, sister, testify. And uh, I had a, had a note earlier from uh, Cynthia. She's begun the search for a smoker. We may have a convert here. That oh. one, uh, and, and Cynthia, that one you found... That's the miniature version of what I've got. That's a tabletop one. I bought one one time and returned it to the store because you would be hard-pressed just to get uh, to get a whole rack of ribs in it or even a full plank of salmon because you were talking about how much you love smoked salmon. You couldn't get a whole plank of salmon in that. So you want to go to the next size. And, God, they're like three forty nine or something like that. They're As compared to a Kamado Joe or a, uh, a Big Green Egg, it's a bargain. So we'll talk more. But I just wanted to let you know that I did see your note. And Brother Deacon Asa, shame, shame, shame upon you. So what I'm hearing you say is that your ancestor, Abraham Goad, Goad to Roxbury, Massachusetts, Goad to... Go ahead, crucify Mm -hmm. me. Oh, Gunner, it's worse than a crucifixion. Brother Deacon, it's a Gunner, a full-on Gunner. Ah, you people. So you just you people? Yeah, I, yeah, I just you people to Brother Deacon. <laughs> the Pontifex Maxima can you people people if she wants to. Yes, yes she can, sis. Yes she can. Yes she can. Oh, so speaking of you people, and by you people I mean oh the bitch on on. Uh, Who's been going for the you know the black woman who's the president of Harvard? Fuck you! She still has her job. Yeah, and I and and apparently the uh, the, the the folks at Harvard are saying, and she's going to keep it too. And she go and she going to keep it too. And because I guess the the one of the professors of history or what have you, I don't know if she was they were head of the department. Because I didn't hear the name or their position. I just know they were a professor. They said, look, so this is what it said. You know, we, we are not going to bow to political pressure or to wealthy donors. We are here to um, not only to see, you know, be a good, basically, it's like we're happy with what she's done and looking forward to what she's going to do in the future. My, uh, my translation of it is, Fuck you, motherfuckers. Kiss our ass. Elsie's stupidity. Die mad else. about it. Die mad about a bitch. Or like, because we have, oh, we haven't introduced the saying that we came up with, that you came up with when I was being, um, I, I got a complaint about a, from a white woman just because I was doing my job. And, and so, um, so this is, I think this is what I'm going to tell all black people to respond to and to, um, compl- you know, uh, build, um, racist complaints, racist, racist behavior veiled in, um, what is it? It's a, um, racist behavior, um, uh, design or something about complaints. And because that's basically what happens to black people, um, Quick story, so I had a, a passenger 
that complained about me because I told her she had to show me her ID before she got into the vehicle and to have her money ready. And she called me a jerk and said, now she called me a jerk, said that I, and said that I was, oh, it should have said that when they were passing out kindness and compassion, they obviously passed me up, which basically translates to you uppity Negro bitch. I'm white and you're supposed to do what I say. And so I've learned in my six, 57 some odd years of being a black person, when a white person complains, it's usually, you know, it's basically because they're racist as fuck and they can't stand it when a black people person is in charge or, you know, uses their authority. And you being, cause you, you know, you're the queen of words and shit like that there. Uh, what did we say it was? Oh, yes. Uh, what is it? Oh, you said, see, this is, see, this is why I gotta have stuff queued up because he's, I'm not a professional like you. <laughs> but what did she say that, um, her, her whiteness was offended by my authority? Yes. Yes, like uh, your 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 authority was intolerable to you. her white your her your authority was intolerable to her whiteness. And this is why, and this is what's happening. This is what was happening with uh, Dr. Gay at in, at Harvard. Yes, and any other black person that asserts asserts their authority. So she because compl- she called me oh. And so what she said about me, that I was rude and disrespectful, which means, how dare you uppity Negroes tell me what to do? Even though it's the rules. See, this is what upsets me. And it's not just white people, but it's just about following the rules in general. But when it comes to black people telling, like, you know, saying, these are the rules. I am not saying, telling you anything different than I would be telling anybody else. And so... The rules are when you're doing access. I have to make. Sure, I have to have your. You have to show me your ID and show me and give me your and pay for the fare before you get into the vehicle. It is just that simple. And I get people. Oh well, all the other drivers let me sit down first. I said, you know, I am so sorry that I am the only driver in this. In and this of course, she was lying. The entirety of this company. She was lying. Of course, she was. I said. Of course she was. I said, I, I'm so sorry that I am the only driver within the entirety of access that's making you follow the rules. But see, I need I need this job. And unless you want me to come moving, unless you're going to let me come moving to, with you when I get fired for putting the wrong person in my vehicle, taking them to the wrong address or what have you, please let's just follow the rules. And now it's gotten to the point where when they start with that shit, I don't say anything. I just stand there and let them go on and on and on. And then I'm like, are we done? So can I have your ID, can I see your ID and your method of payment, please? It, it, it is just that simple. But see, what I want to say when they say all the other drivers or whatever, I said, so is that the white drivers? I mean, because I need to know which drivers it are that are, are letting you not make letting it go so far that you don't have to follow the rules. But I know they're lying. Like I had my you look, I could be a bitch. I I I you know, 
and I can have bad days. We all do. And sometimes I can be, you know, not so nice. But that is my right. Not to, if I'm not having a bad, if I'm having a bad day, and as long as I'm not being outwardly rude to you, as long as I, you know, I greet you, I get you in the vehicle, I do what I have to do. There's nothing that says requires that says I have to talk to you. I don't have to have a conversation with you. I don't have to do anything like that. The only thing I have to do, besides stay black and die, is that I've got to make sure I get you in the vehicle. I transport you safely and as safely and as quickly as possible, and I get you to where you have to go. That's what I got to do. I had a, one person. One person told me the other day, "I need to, you know, you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to smile." I'm like, "No, ma'am, I do not." But see, this is the thing, this is that thing about white people when, especially when it comes to black people in the service industry. Especially black women, we are not. Uh, it is it's so we are not allowed to have feelings. We are not allowed to have a bad day. We are not allowed to express our frustration or our hurt or our pain or complain about anything because when we do, we are then considered uppity. We are then you know or loud or you're just overreacting or you you know you're angry and all this. Yes, motherfucker, I'm angry. And I should be able to express my anger without it become without it being weaponized against me. But I live in a country that I am not allowed to because I am not considered human. I am I am I am not considered a person that is worthy of being cared about or having feelings and having a bad day or just not being one to be bothered. By people other than just let me get through my fucking day. That's all I want to do. But I get these complaints, and, and it's not always white people. I had a brother that called me, actually, straight up called me an angry black woman because I didn't let it, because he startled me, and I told him, please don't touch the door because I didn't, he tried to open the door before I realized who he was. And it wasn't because he was black. I didn't. I just saw out of the corner of my eye somebody trying to open my door, and so I'm not supposed to be startled if somebody does that. So he called me the angry black woman in the yellow cap. <laughs> but see, my problem is when pe- I, like I, people have the right to complain. If you've had shitty service, or if you think that you had shitty service complain about it or what have you. My problem comes in and I take umbrage when somebody files a complaint that is such an atrocious lie in hope that either A, I'm going to get in trouble or worse yet, get fired. That is when I have a problem. That is when I have a problem because I'm like, what is it about you or what I, who I am that you feel that you have the right to lie on me in hopes that I get fired. What kind of person is that? What what are what kind of people what what are we dealing with now? You know I was about to say Bueller, Bueller, did I tell you that I saw Ben Stein? No. Uh oh hello. 
Yeah, I was about to say, because, yeah, I was at the, when I was visiting my friend Caesar, who unfortunately passed away last week, um, we, I was in the um, valet section waiting for my car, my car, and I'm looking at this old white guy, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, I'm like, holy fuck, that's Ben Stein. Girl, Ben Stein is on, he, oh, a girl, he on school. That's he's why a, I didn't recognize him. He's a horrible right-wing asshole. I know that. I know that. And and God, I mean, uh, you know, not God help me, because, you know, I try not to wish horrible things on people, but he looked like he was in horrible pain. And he looked very uncomfortable. So uh, that made me kind of smile. He he looked like he was like like Henry Kissinger big, you know that bloated, gross, just yuck. Ew. That's why I like. A, yeah, it was disgusting, and that's why I didn't recognize him. And in all in all honesty, I thought he was already dead. Speaking of, so you know, back to this. So I mean, am I am I making sense? I mean, you do. Yeah, you always do. It's, it's just, a, you know, it's just a softening over, you know, now that I thought about Kissinger, so that article that I sent to you from that magazine, <laughs> and so they had, I went ahead and subscribed, they have like quarterly issues, and I bought the book about Kissinger, so they, they have a coupon, the coupon was for like, you know, like damn near 50% off the subscription. It says Kissinger is dead, but we're still here. I like they that. actually had a thing that says Kissinger, and and the coupon was Kissinger is dead, and you get like sixty percent off the. Did you get the feeling they didn't like Henry Kissinger? It, you know, the only people who like Hank were the ones who benefited by his horrid ideas. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm looking forward to getting the book because I, I really, I don't know that much of, much about Kissinger as other than anecdotal stuff. I've never really read about the man, but um, the name of the, let's see, what's the name of the magazine? Jack, um, Jacobin? Yes, Jacobin. Jacobin. And, um, can you give me some, okay, cause I've never, cause I need you, you know, the, the, the queen of all, of all knowing and history and shit like that. Can you give me a little background on Jacobin? Or the uh, Jacobins or whoever? Well, uh, the Jacobin, the magazine is a, uh, progressive publication. It's, very, very ideologically pure. Um, although they, oh, yeah. there are some, there are some good articles um, to be had for sure. Uh, the Jacobins were a French political movement, for lack of a better term, and they take their name from that, kind of the way the Federalist Society appropriated the name of the Federalists, although the Federalist Society 
is in no wise of the same tenor or philosophy of actual of actual the actual Federalists of the early days of the founding of this country. But the Jacobins were part of the uh, uh, the French Revolution. It was a political club. And they got their name. They got their name from the place, the the, the place where they met, uh, a monastery, monastery of the Jacobins. This is why I love you. But the name of the book, I mean, these people really hated Kissinger. They have this thing, the rolling like the ticket tape. Kissinger is dead. We wrote a book. Kissinger is dead. We wrote a book. And the name of the book is Only the Good Guy Young, The Verdict Against Henry Kissinger. And then they have, you know, 1923 to 2023. The fact that he lived as long as he did. Evil is a preservative. It's just... It, it is. It, 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 you know, it's just, ugh. They have the, it, they have, so they have different sections. They have the Americas Kissinger and the South American Revolution, Kissinger in Chile, Kissinger in Argentina, Kissinger in Central America, Asia, Kissinger in Bangladesh, Kissinger in East Timor, 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 Kissinger in Cambodia. Yeah, is that, that what man, you're talking that, about if, with, uh, with Bourdain, yeah, Cambodia. Uh, if that man, if that man was actually submerged in the blood that was shed based upon his actions and the actions he recommended, he'd 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 be he'd be twenty thousand feet deep. Wow! Just disgusting. Oh, uh, some good, sort of good yeah, news. No. Sort of good news coming out of uh, Atlanta. Fonnie Willis, who what? is uh, not to be fucked with, and proving it. Not to be fucked with. Uh, she has said uh, in an interview today, speaking with the Atlanta Journal Constitution, that she's more than happy. To see the trial date moved up, moved sooner for the uh, for the uh, nitwit nineteen, and she's quoted by the Atlanta Journal Constitution saying, "I always say, stay ready. You ain't got to get ready." Which is <laughs> that's another way of saying, "No, yeah, really, I, I'm I'm ready to try this case. Let's pick a jury tomorrow." Tomorrow. Because I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to bust that orange ass and send him to a shitty Georgia prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, but I'm still hoping. And she referred for, to she referred to the activities of uh, people like Jim Jacket off Jordan as just politics. They worry the hero is treated the same as everybody else, and now they want to come up with foolishness. 
And you know what? It, it, exactly. I, I think if she if she'd gone another sentence, she might have she might have call, she might have called him. Uh, she might have said Jim Jacket off Jordan downright trifling. Because mm-hmm. he is. Because I just I know I just keep hoping and wishing and waiting and hoping that the seditionists that are in the Congress get their you know. I, I'm, I just hope that something happens to them as well. And I'm just wondering if they're just, once they put him on trial and he gets convicted, then everybody else will start just running out, you know, what is it, rats running from a, a sinking ship? Mm-hmm. There'll be a rash, all of a sudden there'll be a whole, whole bunch of people not running for re-election and just uh, retiring and just leaving Congress altogether. But see, the problem with these people, though, is that they all believe that they're above the law. Right, and they and they so, are they're they're screwing with the wrong woman. She said uh, she suggested are. she suggested a trial date of August the fifth. Uh, that's just a little bit after the Republican convention. But by the same token, <laughs> she also served notice that she intends to try this case herself, and that. Will that will infuriate and scare nitwit Nero Waterbald the the idea that he would be yeah. cross examined if he testifies cross examined by a black woman who is orders of magnitude more intelligent than he. And she said, uh, "I don't think anyone should ever be surprised if D. A. Willis enters a courtroom. I'm a trial lawyer at my soul." Mm-hmm. Notice served. You know what is it? Uh, what, what is it? The, what is it? Throwing down the gauntlet. The, the gauntlet had been thrown. <laughs> it's like, bitch, I was ready. No, no I read it. The gauntlet. The gauntlet. The gauntlet is on the ground. Is on the ground. I'm and she's and, and 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 it's only on the ground because she slapped him in the face with it first. Right. And uh, it was a and it, it was a backhanded slap. It, she started the ground with the, with the go and slapped him just coming with an upward swing on the upward trajectory and bitch slapped him. And so so hold on so the witness list is out. For the uh, Fulton 19. And at the top of the list is Mike Pencilneck Geek. (laughs) And he's going to have to sit there and put his hand in the air and swear in front of Jesus and everybody that he will tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, former Attorney General Bill Barr to prosecutions on the list. The man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells, uh, Stevie Three Shirts, is on the list. As oh. is as is Thedum uh, 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 Carcass leader. And uh, they said that they want judges from Michigan and Texas to order... 
Alex, Alex Jones, to testify at the trial. And they also want an order for RNC Chairwoman Ronna Romney McDaniel to appear to testify. Ooh. All told, Fonnie Willis says she wants to call about 150 witnesses over the a four-month trial period. Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, will probably be there. Governor Brian Kemp will probably be on the stand. Oh, because I'm sorry. This the the Trump crime family. They're a criminal enterprise. And just think, had the because we both know the only reason why he ran for president is to get back to about get back at Obama for calling him out at the at the uh, what is it the, uh, the dinner that they do um, the press the Washington press thing and 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 Obama read him left and right and they were showing. <laughs> they got camera shots of him looking like this nigga here. Well, one of the um, and and there's yeah. an, there's another development in the case. Uh, the uh, prosecution there in Fulton County is considering revoking the bond of Travion Cootie. She's a former publicist. At, uh, well, she once upon a time she was publicist for R. Kelly. As as well as yeah. uh, the artist formerly known as Kanye West and now known simply as The. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Yay. It, well, it's Y-E, and in English that's pronounced The. Oh, The. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. Got you. And I'm having all kinds of Internet problems tonight that I just don't need. But here's the fun thing. Travion Cootie is apparently crazier than a sprayed, sprayed roach. I mean... Oh yeah, crazy to uh, to uh, uh, modify a phrase around here. He, she's crazier than Cootie Brown. See, also Ooh. crazy as a shit house rat. So on November ah. the twenty eighth, she put up an Instagram video, Instagram live video, in which mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. went after uh, Fulton County election worker Ruby Freeman who is presently in court suing the living bejesus out of Rudy Giuliani, along with her daughter, Shea Moss. And uh, uh, let me see if that... see if I can find that video. Uh, she's apparently a real Lulu... Uh, Biden will become incapacitated. Newsom will be the nominee to keep black Democrats, namely black women at bay for Newsom. Dems, Pelosi will assassinate Kamala and blame a white supremacist. Boom. Black Americans will be angry and Democrats get the black vote back. Um, Democrats (laughs) haven't lost the black vote. And she uh, unleashed this screed. She said, uh, 
Tell me how y'all think they're going to deal with that Kamala situation, because I think they're going to kill her. I really do, because and then they're going to blame it on a white supremacist, and that's the only way they can get black people to rally around a Democrat party again. Democrat party. Because black people rocking with Trump Democratic. right now. Wait, wait, wait. Because black people rocking with Trump right now for real. And so all of this oh, okay. cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs banana stuff, uh, she also said that, uh, and, and she was all cussing and carrying on, she said she would destroy a, a, a woman's life. She didn't give a name, but she was alluding to Ruby Freeman. And the Fulton prosecutors say that Travion Cootie and Harrison Floyd, uh, he, by the way, was the executive director of Black Voices yeah, Black for Trump, Party. And Chicago mm-hmm. Lutheran Pastor Stephen Lee all harassed and threatened Ruby Freeman to try to get her to falsely confess to dummying up the uh, absentee ballots. And so back in November, Judge Scott McAfee, who's handling the whole case in Fulton County, told prosecutors that he agreed that she at least technically violated her bond agreement that said she can't... Uh, uh, they said that Floyd can't publicly communicate about witnesses and co-defendants on social media. At the time, the judge said he wasn't going to send Floyd back to the back to the clink. Why not? Because while it was a technical violation, uh, the comments didn't warrant jailing. Oh, and uh, Travion Cootie then attacked the editor-in-chief at Midas Touch for reporting on all of this. Uh, Ron Filipkowski said, I'm not the one who went on Instagram and threatened to witness against me in a criminal case. We just published the clips of it. Don't, don't want nothing. Don't do nothing, won't be nothing. Don't start nothing, won't, won't be, be nothing. nothing. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. I mean, I'm telling you, these people, it's, 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 it is, it, it is mind-fucking-boggling. These people, I mean, it gets to the point where I just, because, you know, I try to think, I, I try to get people the benefit of the doubt that they're just not, that they're just not, that hopefully they're just stupid and that they're not, uh, that, that they're doing this stuff because they can or they're just getting, wanting attention or, you know, like we, uh, like we always say, wait, you know, they'll do anything or say anything as long as the check clears. But to, again, to ignore a judge's order to constantly threaten people or what have you. And it's just, I just want, I just want people to start going to jail. That's it. Because I'm tired. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm tired of people being able to say and do whatever the fuck they want. And there's no consequences. Like the people who lied lied about me at uh, doing access. I want those people suspended from the service. Because if if nothing happens, then they could do that to another driver. See, the, the thing about me, 
when people lie about me and my customer service and stuff like that, access and, you know, they know it's a lie because of, the, you know, because of how many, um, what is it, because of the praises that I've gotten from my passengers. But what if I was a new driver, sis? Might, might be I able to be bullied. Had, you know, right. Or, you know, still with, you know, new drivers doing my job and didn't, and didn't, and was not going to be bullied and, but had no record of, you know, of good customer service, really. And then somebody comes along and says, like the white, the, the black man that said that I said, I actually really said, you know, he called me angry black woman and all this and said that I hated white people. I said, I hated white people. Now we both know just white people that I don't like. And there's times but you're not I, a woman. You're I not a woman with hate. Actions. You're not a woman with hate in your heart. No, I am not. And by the way, I need to now, send. I need to. I need to send out some thanks to Cynthia and to Ralph, our uh, uh, our uh, uh, tripling challenge has been met. So that means we've taken fundraising Yay. for the evening down from uh, eight forty-five down to six ninety-five. So, awesome. yeah, so um, 95 more bucks, and we will be fully funded for last Friday on the front porch, and that's amazing. That's fantastic. Thank you both. Thank you, Cynthia, and thank you, Ralphs. Thank you so much. Uh, Christopher, our buddy Christopher, said, Thonny going to send Dunderhead Donnie on that midnight train to Georgia. <laughs> Just call me a Thonny fan. Will still, as of yet, unhung Pence. Only testify if he can hold Mommy Karen's hand. Hold on. This is just one long cowbell. Do the women of Texas really need uh, to, to to heed the warnings of lawman, lawbreaker Ken Paxton? Are you fucking kidding me? What a complete joke. Hi, Tracy. Just got back from a short walk with Arlo. He's a very good boy. Oh. oh. Speaking of walking, because we're trying to figure out ways Kaylee's. So we have a trainer for Miss Kaylee, and we have a treadmill that I haven't used since COVID. So, and so, you know, a lot of times I'm having hip problems and stuff like that, so it's hard for me to walk her. So the trainer we have got, and I wish we had video of of Kaylee walking on the treadmill. You must get that. Well, I, I mean, and she, I mean. So how we did it was, you know, we started her off at like half a mile an hour, then we upped it to one, you know, to get to her natural gait. But what I did was I basically sat at the front of the, like at the front of the treadmill with treats in my hand, but she couldn't get to them. So she's licking my hand, trying to get Aww. to, you know, and, and hitting my, <laughs> trying to get to the treat. And so, so this, because she, because she's still a puppy, she's only a year old. But she has an energy level that two old women cannot deal with. And so, uh, so we got two things. We got mental stimulation and her uh, actually work, you know, moving. So she's like, you know, she, she has, I have her, you know, and she's on the treadmill and was trying to get it to the point. So I got her up. She, so the, she was on and off and on the treadmill for like 15 minutes. And I got it up to 1.5 miles an hour. And so, you know, but, 
it was just the funniest thing. And she did not miss a beat. Uh, Honey Nut Cheerios is a great motivator, sis. Uh, are, those, are, those, are those sugars okay? Oh, yeah. I tell, no, no, no. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll, let me tell you what Mr. Shadow loves. Mr. Shadow loves two things. He loves cheese. And he loves, oh, yeah. and he loves he the, and, and being a big old golden retriever, he loves the extra thick hickory smoke vegan strips. All he, <laughs> all he, we break, and the vegan strips are, you know, about two thirds the size of a strip, a real strip of bacon. We break them in half and, oh, he, he, he loves them. And he's such a good boy. You know, he, Goldens have to carry something in their mouths. They can't help it. So he's got a great big, really hard rubber toy. Uh, they're called Kongs. That he cannot yeah, chew up. And you can fill them with treats, by the <laughs> way. Um, but he can't. No, no, we have one that she happened to destroy. You kill it with peanut butter the night before and freeze it. Ooh, that's devious. I'm going to have to remember the frozen peanut butter mm-hmm. thing. So, but but mm-hmm. uh, Shadow, occasionally referred to around here as Bob Barker, Bob. Um, will carry his will carry his Kong into the kitchen if I'm in there working or you know you know putting bread in the toaster or something for a snack. And he will sit he will sit down like the most gentlemanly golden retriever on earth, which he is. And he will let me know that he is ready for a piece of cheese or a bag and strip by drop by doing not a mic drop but a Kong drop, just kathunk, and it lands on the floor. <laughs> and that's my cue to uh, open the refrigerator and get him a piece of cheese, please. How, how old is how old is he now? I think he may be Mister Stress reincarnated because his birthday is New Year's Day. So he will be two Whoa. on January first. Oh, okay. I'd see if he could play. I'd see if he could play a harmonica, but I think he'd probably just eat it. And then every and then and it. then every and then every time he barked, he'd honk. So he can't have that. <laughs> no, cannot, cannot. Oh, but he's a sweet boy. He's such a sweet boy. I can't stand it. We we just sit there. He'll. The, the, what makes him happier than anything in the world is any time that we sit together, he wants to sit between us. And that oh is and, and that is when he is at his absolute happiest, when we are both, you know, petting him or putting our arms around him at the same time. And he's like, I'm loved. Yes, he is. Kaylee's well, trainer got me this glove. That kind of has so on one side it's you know but on the on the, head, on the palm side it's like kind of like just like little combs throughout the whole so you know it's a regular it's a glove with like combs on it and so that's what she wants me to use to like just you know I guess it's to you know to get the loose hairs from her from shed yes, you know shedding yes. and stuff right it's so it's that's much more humane than a shedding blade those things are horrid right. And so, and so I'm just, and I'm like, oh, okay. And she just raised it. Oh. 
And so, and so, you know, you know how furry goldens are. We have simply we have simply um, consigned ourselves to the fact that henceforward everything we wear is going to have golden retriever hair on it. It used to be that everything we wore yeah, had cat hair on it. Now it has cat hair and golden retriever hair on it. And golden retriever hair. And in fact, he went bolt- he went bolting out of the bedroom the other day. It was so funny because he did. And Annette is constantly sweeping up, you know, balls of golden retriever hair. But right outside the bedroom door, he went bolting out, and this little tumbleweed of golden retriever hair kind of popped up and sort of rolled along the floor after him. It was like, we need to get back on you. Oh, it's adorable. <laughs> and he smiles. Yeah, I, I swear he smiles. And you just cannot be unhappy yeah. around him. Well, see, we have to, because we have to, we're probably going to do, you know, this is when that, still under the heading, this is what I get from marrying a white woman, because Jan and I have two distinctly different ideas of how to parent Kaylee. And, um, let me guess, Jan's, Jan's, in, Jan's indulgent, and you're, all business? I'm me. I'm me. Yeah. But the problem is, Kaylee is a um, American bull terrier. Kaylee does not know her strength. And Kaylee jumps, I mean, like, she gets into that, like, this crazed mode, and it's so weird. She's fine throughout the day, and then, like, sometimes in the evening, she won't, she'll start, she'll start going at me. And like it's not it's beyond nipping, it's like almost biting. And Jen's like, and she's just trying to get your attention. I'm like, bitch, do you not understand the history between black people and dogs? Okay? The shit ain't cute. And it was at the point where it was either me or the dog. Because I I mean she Kaylee is a sweet girl, but she does and so the other day I said, because this is what our our trainer told us to start doing. When Kaylee gets that way, we need to leash her, put her, you know, keep, cause we keep the, um, to put her, get the leash and drag her out of the, of the area and lock her away in the bathroom or whatever for a couple of minutes. And every time she does that, we need to keep doing it. Now the problem is she only does it when I'm at home. She doesn't, and every so often she does it again. And I told her, I said, Jan, you're home alone with this dog who does not know her strength. And when she comes barreling and she takes you out, I said, this is why you need to be consistent with the discipline. And she, uh, no, well, she's just, uh, I'm like, bitch, no. No. You know, because I'm not going to yell at her. Cause that doesn't do any good. Is yelling at a toddler do any good? Does that curb their behavior? No. <laughs> so, you know, I'm learning to, you know, to, you know, modulate my voice and stuff like that to keep myself calm and stuff like that. But if I'm do, you know, if I'm only do, the only one doing it, it's not going to do it again. And again, not a dog person, but I, I, Jan, and she's like, oh shit. I'm like, thank you. This is why I need you to discipline her too when I'm not here, when she does the same thing. Well, she doesn't do the same thing to Jan. That she does to me. I, I told Jan that the dog is racist. Tracy. He's not racist. 
whatever. She only she only talks about the black people. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. But it's like I said, you we you need to discipline her when she does the same thing. When she does it to you, you need to discipline her. Like our trainer has said, because I'm like, why am I paying a trainer if you're not going to do what she says to do? But she is. But but basically, what the trainer is saying is that the reason why she does what she does is because she's not getting enough mental stimulation and enough physical exercise. So we bought her puzzles. Like Christopher was talking about the other day, you got to be careful about uh, uh, her being around other dogs because right. of this, respir- exactly. this respiratory wait, wait, thing. Oh yeah, no, no, no. See, the thing is, she we've never had her around other dogs. She's never, I mean, like, we've had friends with their dogs over, but we haven't, and, and once I heard, I heard about the doggy COVID thing, we're like, oh, no. She doesn't even want her to go to a doggy park, even if we're on a leash and stuff like that, because you don't know, you know, even if there's no dogs around, what she can possibly, well, it's like, you, you know, know, get out par- of the par- grass or yeah, whatever. Parvo and heartworm is, you know, in the ground. And, right. Yeah, you got to be careful with that. I'm going absolutely bonkers here because this is like the sixth or seventh time the internet has died just in the two and a half two and a half hours we've been on the air. Oh, so, so maybe we should yeah. call it a day. Uh, I so think you don't lose any more. I, I think I think so. I mean, I got I got a couple more stories here that are just absolutely. Okay, we're listening to the stories that I won't talk. <laughs> okay, I do, and and this is this is general and somewhat rhetorical, but can someone please explain to me what the hell is wrong with white tech bros? I mean, you got Leon Scum out there, you got Martin Shkreli. Are there any tech bros who aren't just repulsive? Enter Christian Lang. Uh, This comes from the San Francisco Standard. Christian Lang uh, was the CEO of a San Francisco-based outfit called Trade Shift. He got shit-canned as CEO at Trade Shift over, of course, sexual assault allegations because tech bros apparently cannot abide to tolerate the bodily autonomy of women. And this past Thursday, a uh, an assistant... A former employee filed a massive lawsuit against Christian Lang. And let me go ahead and issue the content warning and the trigger warning. This is some nasty, vulgar, horrid, awful, arguably criminal behavior. But then again... A country that would elect Donald Trump, knowing what he was and said he was, 
Well, I don't know. Maybe this is just just uh, emblematic of an of a uh, of a pervasive culture, especially in tech. So Christian Lang, uh, according to the allegations in the lawsuit, engaged in rape, sexual abuse, torture, and assault occurring within the course and scope of the plaintiff's employment for years before he fired her. The suit paper, in the suit paper, she describes that she was held in, quote, a dark abyss of unwanted sexual horror. TradeShift is a cloud-based supply chain software um, provider. Uh, the assistant is uh, merely named as a Jane Doe. But she says that several months after joining TradeShift, he gave her a document. That document, Tracy, laid out terms and conditions of a twin. This is a quote: a twenty that she was to be entirely submissive. The slave will always do her best to keep her behavior and demeanor that is fitting for her role as a submissive to her master. This includes, but is not limited to, and a list. She said she was shocked and frightened. She had to wear a collar, bondage restraints. She had to tolerate physical pain by any means short of killing her. Um, there were separate subsections for behavior that was always in private or wearing her slave collar and at work. And there was a there, there was a, a disclaimer: if the relationship is discovered at work, the slave will deny everything and quit her job. That is, um, it, and it's it. Oh my God. And, of course, uh, Christian Lang, uh, in, in righteous indignation, having been fired for gross misconduct, defamatory and not reflective of my past relationship with the plaintiff, the shocking and vile claims in the lawsuit are categorically false, and I reject allegations that I subjected someone to any form of abuse during my tenure as CEO or at any other time in my life. According to the document, she allows uh, any punishment the master decides to inflict, whether earned or not, although it went on to say that it was his responsibility not to kill her. But she must accept her punishments without being angry, sullen, or frustrated with her master. Whenever she sees her master in private for the first time, she is to kneel and ask if there is anything she can do for him. Good God. And, and, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong for saying, what is it with tech bros? Maybe this is in every area of American business culture. But remember, the maggots are out there worrying about DEI. Not too worried about that. 
where you can go to the back. Why, why, why are men so fascinated? I mean, this, this reads, I mean, it's, it, Jesus. This is like some sort of sick Fifty Shades of Grey bullshit. You know, I never read that book. Certainly didn't see the movie. But, you know, what, consen- what, 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 cons- what consenting adults do is consenting adults' business. And, can't, you know, can't, you know, one person's night shirts, another person's pajamas. But Jesus H. Christ. And uh, you know, I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm losing school to talk. No, you go ahead. No, please. I, I. No, no, no. I just, I don't. I mean, I, I know what it's like to be in an abusive relationship. But as abusive, and most of my, the, the, I've only been in a physically abusive relationship once. But the majority of the relationship, and the worst kind of abusive relationship to be in is when it's mental. And um, emotional because those things leave no scars. I mean, no abuse is good, but at least if somebody if you if somebody hits you or you know, what have you, you can go to the cops with evidence or show somebody the evidence of what you're going through. But when somebody is emotionally and and mentally abusive, how do you how do you prove that shit? You know, it's just. And, and these people know exactly what they're doing, especially when uh, the power dynamic, when your, your, your very livelihood or where you live depends on the whims of the person in charge. That is some scary ass shit, sis. I tell you, I've lived it. I don't ever want to live that shit again. And this went on for years, and she said she was even taken to foreign countries in what she described as... Uh Um, trafficking under color of work duties, and when she and when she find and when she find apparently so, uh, he would. I'm not. No, I'm not going to go into the details because I don't want to be perceived as prurient. This is just sick. But eventually, she went to two company co-founders and the board of directors. And after that, she was ignored, isolated, marginalized, and ultimately terminated with no explanation over the phone, and that she remained bedridden and in a precarious psychological state for almost two years. And that the leadership of the company knew about the conduct as far back as four years ago, December 2019. But they didn't want to jeopardize potential outside investment. Well, they done fucked up now because now. But then here's the problem: people talk a good game about what they're gonna do to people like this, and then you know nothing's done. Or they'll they'll make you know they they'll fire old boy and say that they're cleaned up the mess, but the the culture still goes on. I mean, I could, am I wrong? No, you're not. And you know what? I, I think your uh, brother Deacon Asa said this is just untenable. Uh, it's unlistenable. Goes out and comes back in every 30 seconds. Somebody at 
Tommy James and the Chantels must be cross with you. I'm going to call it quits. I mean, this is if you know if every if if only every fifteenth word is getting through, then screw this. But we did get you know Sorry, almost baby. to the end of the pro. That's okay. You have a you have a good and safe remainder of your afternoon out there on the mean streets of L.A. By the way, I have a I have a dumb question yeah, for I'm, you. I got a, I got a I got an, uh, L, a greater L.A. area um, geography question. Where okay. where is Topanga Village? Okay. Topanga Village is in Topanga Canyon between um, the valley and uh, Malibu, closer to the map. So it's basically south of uh, Mulholland. So we have Mulholland Highway, right? So on the south south of Mulholland Highway is uh, the Malibu side of, of Topanga, and north of the Mulholland Highway, uh, uh, north of Mulholland Highway is. The, the valley side of Topanga. Topanga Village is, like I said, between PCH and Mulholland Highway. Okay. Well, you were asking about... It's really lovely it, here. It's what? It's very lovely. Um, uh, it, it, it used to, you know, before people with money realized just how cool it was up there, all the canyons, you know, Topanga Canyon, especially like Laurel Canyon, um, and especially, I know you like really into the music, the 70s music scene. Uh, a lot of the, you know, Carol King and the Doors and all those people, um, and James Taylor and all that, they took refuge. They had, all, a lot of them had, uh, houses up in, um, not the, well, in Topanga, but mostly Royal Canyon. As a matter of fact, the picture of Carol King on her tapestry album, yeah. The only reason why I know this is because I'm a huge Carol fan. That's taken in the living room of her house in somewhere off of Royal Canyon. That part. Okay. Now that, you know, these used to be the best happens and now they're multi-million dollar homes. Mm-hmm. That part. So there's your LA. We should have I just I, I just like to learn. I do. No, I, like I said, because you are going to come out here, and you, you know you're going to have you're going to have you have you're going to have your itinerary of where you, you want to go from every every song, every restaurant, every every thing that alluded to Los Angeles. You got me for a tour guide, which you know I don't usually. Do, oh God, you, I, so that, 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 you can't! You, you can't tell me how much I, I, I can't believe, begin to tell you how much fun that would be. Well, it's gonna be fun. Get a map to the movie it's stars' home fun. and do all that. No, I'm kidding. You know me; I'm a nerd. No, I want to go nerd. I want to go to nerd places, and You're I want to. I want. I want a French dip from what? Philippe's. Philippe's. And mm-hmm. I, and I want. I want to go to that Mexican place that was in Bosch. That would be El Capandre with the flaming margaritas, which they never show, but yeah, El Capandre. Oh, that sounds and, you know, you want to go up to, you, you know, you want to go up to Angel Flight, which I think was that the Absolutely, the yeah, Perry, yeah, Perry, and Perry Mason. And Perry Mason as well. You know, there, there's so many things, and, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd as well when it comes to LA history. So it's just, you know, because I love my city. So there's, we're going to have fun. There's going to be things 
And of course, I'm going to do the whole Black LA as well. So you're going to, and a lot of it ties into the stuff that we talk about. Well, I'll explain. I, I will explain my. Uh, I'll, I'll explain my curiosity uh, off air at some point. Uh, and yeah, okay. uh, TJ, uh, TJ out in Iowa just told me uh, the stream has just been unbearable all night. But he did say the golden retriever hair tumbleweed was hilarious. Oh, you, I wish I had a bit. I'm I'm just not hip enough to constantly just be videoing my entire existence. Yeah, neither am I. But he bolted out, and that thing just whoof, went up in the air and started tumbling along after. I was, I was giggling merrily when I walked into the living room to tell Annette about it. Well, sis, you have a good evening. Aww. You too, baby. Love your face. Love you to pieces. Talk to you later. All right, baby. Bye-bye. Bye. And I'm sorry our conversation was so intermittent. Ugh. But it's... Uh, I'm, I'm, well, shoot, if I get off the air now, I can call them in. Uh, I can call them before tech support goes home. So thanks, everybody. Uh, we uh, closed the program at $690 to go. Um, so that means we'll be at 990 tomorrow. But we're making slow progress. We are $90 from being fully funded for... Um, last Friday on the front porch and that's bet a lot better than it was when we started um, somebody's calling in right now I'm not going to take it because I want to be able to get on the phone with tech support and ask them what the hell's going on very nicely I'm a lady um, but thanks everybody thanks to our PayPal and Patreon subscribers thank you to our a la carte contributors and our challenge makers Thanks to each of you who shares the, your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, like and subscribe to the podcast, please. Leave a comment if you don't mind. It raises visibility. I'll try not to screw up the date on the podcast this time, some evenings. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop. Pop by CRMW.net and see what they're up to from time to time. Maybe even, uh, well, consider helping them out because when you support Coal River Mountain Watch, you're supporting the real grassroots, not somebody with a $300,000 salary. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Mine got pushed to Friday. It was Thursday. Now it's Friday. Um, I'm excited. Please get your booster. Get your RSV. Get your flu shot. Careful with your doggies around other doggies. Wear your mask when you're in larger groups, especially if any of them are maggots, because they probably aren't vaccinated. Hell, the booster numbers for for this booster is like 15%. Not inspiring. 
you know, wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, carry it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance as best you can. And if some greasy old almost octogenarian dude with a thick New York accent comes down the sidewalk talking about, yeah, they're, they're, them black women, they stole the election. Avoid Rudy Giuliani like the plague, because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Later. <laughs>